1: Welcome to another OUinsider.com podcast where I'm so excited that we have football to talk about. And while I believe hope is a good thing, I'm also Jeff Goldblum at Jurassic Park telling y'all life finds a way. And you're like, hey, RJ, isn't it great that we can make dinosaurs, though? Like, no, fool, because they're dinosaurs. That's why. And I'm joined by OUI staff writer Colin Kennedy. Colin... You like dinosaurs, or, or what are you doing, dude? I was a big dinosaur guy as a kid.
0: Okay. I don't know how I feel about them now, but <laughs> I, I, I may have to get you back on that one. But, no, man, look, we got football. I'm excited, and I can't sit, I can't to sit here and laugh because, I mean, last time we podcasted, we're sitting there and saying, okay, We're going to be able to break down a Big 12 schedule by the time we next pod. And we got that, but my goodness, was it vastly more complicated than probably we expected. It has been an absolute adrenaline rush to get to this point. So it just feels good that at least we have something to talk about that's somewhat set in stone.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. So... I want to start with what I thought was the most squirrely and college football part of this conversation, which is the non-conference schedule. So the Big 12 got together with its members and established medical protocols, established a way for football to be played on paper. We still got like a month before the non-conference schedule is supposed to take place, but all those non-conference games have to take place before September 26th when everybody is scheduled to play a game and we're going to get into that, but I'm going to go through the non-conference schedule for Big 12 teams. And I'm kind of proud of myself because I had to compile these. There's like no list because there's been so much moving and shaking. So I'm just going to go by down by one by one. But I'm going to start with this. Iowa State and Texas, to my knowledge, don't have an opponent right now. Like Iowa State hasn't, hasn't got one, right? Because South Dakota State was on the schedule for them, as was Iowa. And now I'm sure they're going to try to find somebody to play, but – Texas had UTEP and South Florida, so I'm gonna be interested, like you, I think, to find out who do you think Texas would schedule to play? Because I gotta believe it's an FCS team or a, a lower tier Group of Five team.
0: <coughs> cough, cough. Ohio State. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, um, I, God, that'd I be would, awesome. I would say, I would say, like, I mean, maybe like a UTEP gets thrown in there or North Texas, just one of those regional schools in the in the Sunbelt or in the Conference USA slate that's looking to fill some things out. Now, I can hope and dream and sit here and tell you that maybe like SMU would be down for a little bit of a duel, but I know that's dreaming there. I would just ballpark it and say Sunbelt or CUSA steps up to fill that slot, but I'm just like you, man. It's going to be fun to see who ends up taking
1: that spot. Yeah, I can't imagine they're going to try to schedule somebody that could beat them. I mean, I don't think they got Kansas yeah. State juice. Like, I'll I'll add to that here in a little bit, but like. It'd be fun if they could go and schedule a Southern Methodist. It'd be fun if they would schedule a North Texas. It'd be even more fun if they went and scheduled, you know, maybe a Houston because the American is looking to take on those games, and maybe Houston lost a game. We'll see. Then Iowa State, it's going to be interesting to see who they go get. Okay, so here's what we know. Baylor gets Incarnate Word on September 19th. I believe that's like one of a handful of of games that's going to be played on that date as most of the Big 12 is going to play before September 19th. So Incarnate Word, are they, are they ready for this? Are they ready for the Dave Veranda experience? This Larry Fedora experience?
0: It, absolutely not. I mean, I don't really think I can put it any way else, but hey, props to Incarnate Word for stepping up. And I think obviously, if anything, it'll be fascinating to see what Dave Veranda does in that first outing, how he structures his system and, tailors it to the talent on that Baylor roster.
1: Yeah, so from there we get Western, Virgi- or Western or West Virginia and Eastern Kentucky on September 12th. I don't know anything about Eastern Kentucky, do you? I know about Western Kentucky, I don't uh, know about Eastern Kentucky. I was going to say, I know Western Kentucky, but Eastern
0: Kentucky, you got me going fishing there. I haven't heard much about that football program, if any at all, so... Hey, man, I mean, if they're down to play some ball, they're down to play some ball. So maybe I'll tune in if I have
1: a chance. Kansas and Southern Illinois. That's supposed to take place right now on August 29th. I'll be interested to see if that gets pushed back. But my goodness, like, what? I mean, I was, those aren't the Salukis, are they? I don't think those are Salukis. (laughs) I mean, this is just kind of brutal, I'm not going to lie. And I should, I should
0: preface this by saying to the, the folks that I haven't done the, the accumulation as you have. So I'm reacting real time, and i got to say, this is kind of a bad look. I'm getting bummed out already as you run through these things.
1: Okay, so here's a good one. September 12th, Kansas State versus Arkansas State. That's going to be a, a game that just got put together like yesterday. So I'm kind of excited about that one. Yeah, I'm excited
0: about that, too. I love Arkansas State's head coach. I like that program a lot. I think that's definitely a game that if you're picking out some of these non-con schedule slates, you may want to tune into. Because, honestly, Arkansas State's not only a pretty solid opponent, but, I mean, KSU will have some question marks going into the season, especially on that offensive line. So, I mean, obviously I'm going to pick Kansas State to win that thing, but maybe we see a little bit, bit of bumps in the road as the Wildcats try and adjust to that new roster.
1: Texas Tech gets Houston Baptist, and there's an Oklahoma Connect there. Gabe Lynn is coaching defensive backs at Houston Baptist. Also married to Nicole Lynn, who represents Jalen Hurts, among others, in the NFL. I can't say I'm excited about Houston Baptist, though.
0: Man, I, okay, well, I will say this Houston Baptist, if I remember correctly, has like one of the best quarterbacks in all of FCS or something crazy. Like this guy has apparently put up ridiculous numbers offensively. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I know like North Texas has them on the schedule as well, and that's been kind of the buzz for the Mean Green is like, man, we we are going to have to kind of face a pretty good quarterback here in week one. So Texas Tech, I mean, obviously, they're going to win that game because Houston Baptist, the rest of the roster, probably isn't as talented as this guy. But, hey, man, maybe there's a little bit of fireworks going on if they're playing and that guy can get it rolling against that Red Raider defense. Texas
1: Christian is inviting Tennessee Tech (laughs) to town. <laughs>
0: Dude, this is, this is tough. Man. <laughs> we were so excited about football. Like you had me juiced going into this thing. And now it's just like, man, I need, I need some sort of shot in the arm right now because it's, pretty clear to me they weren't looking for headliners this first weekend
1: well it's about who you can get a hold of as well right because among the remaining team or power five teams that are going to play football they've all said conference only plus one and that plus one is usually a game that they want to guarantee that they can win the best game on the schedule for september 12th though has to be oklahoma state versus tulsa they get the golden hurricane traveling up the turnpike to stillwater I'm actually low key kind of into that game, kind of. I know that Chuba Hubbard's probably going to look to reprise that 250 yards rushing he had against Tulsa last year, but they got a couple of kids that I like. One of them, Allie Green, playing corner, another Jackson player, an undersized defensive tackle with tremendous wiggle and move, great twitch. Samari Brooks has an opportunity to set the career rushing record at Tulsa. Like, there's some things that I know personally because, you know, I live in Tulsa and I went to undergrad mm-hmm. there. So, I mean, that's a that's a good game. That's a game that made ESPN last year. I want to say ESPN, too. So that far and away the best game on the schedule. Yeah,
0: and I mean, also kind of a friendly reminder, if I remember correctly, and you do as well, I'm sure, Zach Smith's starting quarterback for Tulsa was the starting quarterback against Oklahoma when he played for the Baylor Bears, and we know how he was able to perform against the Sooner defense and kind of give a little bit of a scare to one of the better teams in the Big 12 Conference. So maybe this guy has a little bit more magic in him and opens up the season with another scare effort, and the Cowboys kind of go into a season where they're feeling really good about themselves, and this Tulsa Golden Hurricane squad can really put some headline kind of matchup together. I'm excited about that game as well. I think, obviously, if you're picking out probably one of your favorites of the Big 12 Conference non-con, this would probably be at the top if it's not the top game that you're looking at.
1: So another added later that Zach was the starting quarterback last year and it was real up and down, right? Like didn't seem to find his way until that Central Florida game late in the season and had every opportunity to beat a really good Southern Methodist team and it just wouldn't come together for one re- way, one reason or another. So we'll see what happens with that. I mean, get Keelan Stokes back out there. We'll see. Like, I I don't know what to do with that Tulsa squad, so I don't expect them to do much. And then the game that you and I are probably most interested in, Oklahoma versus Missouri State. So Missouri State is trying to add another game. It's looking like Missouri State's trying to add Central Arkansas at the time that we're talking. But right now, they're scheduled to play one game. And they're going to play that one game so they can collect the six hundred grand that they'll get from it for playing that one game. And then they will shut it down and come back and try to do this again in the spring. That's wild, man.
0: It's wild, but I have to tip my cap to them, right? I mean, they have done anything and everything to make sure that they're going to be in Norman and playing against Oklahoma. Obviously, they want the payday, but the testing process and sorting through all of these schedule changes isn't easy. But I commend that administration and staff for saying, look, we're going to stay committed to this game. Oklahoma's doing us a big favor, and we feel like we should fulfill this matchup. And I just think for all parties involved, it just makes a lot of sense to make sure that this thing gets played. And so I'm excited about that matchup. I think it's just going to be a little bit of relief for everyone involved to finally see that thing play out on the field. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're really looking at it and we're being honest with ourselves – It's just another not very interesting matchup that's going to be played in week one. So I I just am just looking forward to seeing some sort of football when it comes to Missouri State and OU here in Norman.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, Shout out to the Broken Arrow Tigers who are going to try to pull off their game in Broken Arrow on August 29th against Bentonville, and that's going to be on ESPN. So high school football is obviously going on, and Oklahoma and parts of Texas all over the parts of the country in patches. I want to get back to Big 12, and I want to talk about two things we know for certain, right? So everybody plays the weekend of September 26th, and everybody plays the weekend of December 5th. As the schedule is constructed today, every team gets two bye weeks. But there are some matchups here and some back-to-backs that I thought were interesting, right? So I want to throw some stuff at you. I want you to throw some stuff at me. Let's see what we found out individually from this schedule takeaway. So Baylor gets Oklahoma State and Texas in back-to-back. I don't know that that's the way I would have drawn it up if I was Dave Aranda this year. What do you think?
0: I, I I wouldn't have drawn it up either, but I would take it a step further. as something that I kind of took away from this as well. Not only do they get Oklahoma State and Texas back-to-back, they get TCU and Iowa State after that. And in my opinion, that's, that's four of the top five teams in the conference all in a row. Right. And, that's brutal because not only are we talking about no bye weeks in that span, but obviously Baylor's quarterback situation, you never know what kind of health issues could spring with Charlie Brewer. And they lose so many talented players, both offensively and defensively, to navigate that schedule after they play two cupcakes in week one and two, KU and West Virginia. I mean, it's a real good chance that Baylor could see some stumbling in that four-week stretch before they play Texas Tech right after that.
1: No, man, that's a very good point. Uh, We all expect those teams to compete for the Big 12 title. Uh, Texas Christian, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Texas, all of those teams, right? Baylor, we we don't expect much from them this season because, one, they lost a lot. Two, you have a wholesale change of staff. I mean, they were really fortunate to be able to hang on to Joey McGuire I know that George Munoz is very talented, as is Larry Fedora, though. We'll see how that goes. I'll be interested. And with Charlie Brewer, you never know, right? Because he's like a concussion away from not playing football anymore. So you might have to see the Jacob Zener experience at some point in September, let alone for the rest of the season. Okay, so Kansas gets Iowa State, Oklahoma, a bye, and then Texas. It's not the worst stretch, but again, not the way that I would draw it up
0: you know, at least they get a little bit of a split between probably two of the top three in the big 12. And then they, they'll have Texas at home and then they'll have TCU right after that at home. So it's not exactly what you want, but at least they get to play one of the two powers within the conference in Lawrence. And then obviously they can stay right there and play a very good TCU squad. And and when you look at Kansas, I mean, it, It's kind of tough. You open up with Baylor, you open up with Oklahoma State right after that. It's just not really an ideal slate for them because they hit West Virginia after a bye week, and that's really kind of the one break for them outside of maybe like Texas Tech to end the year. But even that's an away game. Uh, Again, if you're KU, you just kind of roll with your punches, and you understand you're not competing for a title anytime soon. So at least. You just take this thing with a grain of salt and you plan on playing those two powers, at least one at home, one away.
1: Iowa State going, man, look at that. Or Kansas State, excuse me, going Iowa State, Baylor, Texas. That 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 could be actually, like, Kansas State, I think, has one of the tougher schedules, if not the toughest schedule, in the Big 12 today with the addition of Arkansas State. What do you think? Because I, like, I, I, I think they end the season that way, too. Iowa State, Baylor, and Texas.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. I think Kansas State, it's going to be a gauntlet for the Wildcats this year because, obviously, they open up with Oklahoma. So, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Sooners on a revenge game in that one. But then, I mean, Texas Tech, they get the Red Raiders at home, but then they have to go to TCU, and then you talk about that stretch. They get KU and West Virginia back-to-back, which I like for them. But then Oklahoma State by, and then that three-game stretch of Iowa State, Baylor, Texas – I mean, if if Charlie Brewer stays healthy all the way through the season, you're talking about three of the better quarterbacks within the Big 12 going against you. And Kansas State isn't necessarily an offense that feels like it's going to put up a ton of numbers this year, although I think it could be a pretty good squad overall. So uh, it's a stretch right there to end the year, but if they can navigate their way through it and take a game or two, you have to like your chances in the bowl season.
1: Texas gets Tech... Texas, Christian, and Oklahoma to start the season. I I think they could catch two losses in, in their first three games. I think Texas that good. I think Texas Christian is that good. Yeah,
0: I, I, TCU to me, if, if Texas is going to catch TCU at any point in the schedule, you would want it to be like week one or two. Right? Because, I mean, TCU, they're going to be fired up for that football game. And luckily, the Longhorns get them at home this year. And that's a big deal, because I think if Duggan's able to take a step, and I'm sure we'll dive into this a little bit more, that offense for TCU has a chance to be special. And then you've got Oklahoma right after that in Dallas, which, again, we should point out is in the Cotton Bowl. That's always a coin flip of the game. And so Texas Tech, I wouldn't be too terrified, although if Alan Bowman is healthy, i love him at quarterback. And then you go up against Duggan, if he can figure it out in that offensive skill set. And then, of course, they won Spencer Rattler, who I think will prove to be a more talented quarterback than Ellinger by the end of the year. Not how you wanted to draw it up to start the year for the long
1: Okay, so I took like three pages of notes, but I did want to to ask you, what other things did you pick up from this schedule release that just caught your eye? Yeah, I I feel like when you really just
0: look through this thing, uh, Oklahoma State, we should talk about the Cowboys, I'm sure, a little bit. Obviously, opening with West Virginia and Kansas, that's probably the most beneficial opening two-week stretch, obviously, of any team within the conference. But then, I mean, like I, like I like how Oklahoma State's schedule is kind of spaced out, right? Obviously, they get the two cupcakes open, which would make you think, okay, that's not great. In addition but to Tulsa. Get, in
1: addition to Tulsa. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And,
0: and Tulsa will probably be a little bit more of a daunting challenge if it were later in the year. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I like the fact that they get a bye week, right? And then they get Baylor. And then that that they Iowa State and Texas back-to-back, it terrifies you, right? But they get them both at home. And then you play KSU, who you can probably overpower offensively, before you hit OU, kind of break with Texas Tech, and then TCU to end it. They have really tough games, but I like the fact that the two biggest, arguably on the slate outside of Bedlam, are back-to-back at home. So you can kind of feed off that momentum and energy. And then you get OU with a space. Before you play TCU at the end of the year, which I think could be a trap game for the Cowboys.
1: No, um, that's a great that's a great point. I just wanted to 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 piggyback on that for just a second. I, the way that I talked yeah, yeah, about, yeah, go ahead. The way that I talked about perhaps the the toughest schedule, right, being Kansas State. It looks like Oklahoma State might have the easiest road to the Big Twelve Championship, and that that was something that you just basically nailed. And I, yeah, I'm with you. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off of there.
0: No, you're good. And then, I mean, I would honestly say, because we kind of touched base with a lot of these other squads, I want to just talk about TCU first, I am, because the more we get closer and closer to the year, like I'm tempted to pick them top four or three, because I just keep convincing myself, like, they got a chance to put something together. Now, I I, I don't like how they start the season with Iowa State and Texas. I think that that's going to be two opening losses. And depending on how that team responds, it could derail the year. That being said, they get KSU at home and then a break before they play Oklahoma. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm picking them to beat OU, But then, like, they can kind of coast their way through all the way to the end of the season in playing Oklahoma State at home. So if we're being real with each other, like, even if they kind of hit those bumps in the road early, TCU could be off of a very beneficial stretch where they have to play Baylor, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Kansas, and then an Oklahoma State game at home. If TCU surges towards the end of the season, anything could happen, obviously, later in the stretch, and and the Horned Frogs could be benefiting from it. So while they do open up with a gauntlet at the beginning, that young TCU squad that has a ton of talent on both sides of the ball could easily hit its stride and it kind of a cupcake stretch towards the end and basically take headlines within the big 12.
1: I would add to this. You have Zach Evans in the backfield now, which gives you somebody that your front or the other front seven has to really recognize as a threat just from jump, right? You don't know who he is, mm-hmm. Iowa state. You don't know who he is, Texas, except what you've seen on film. And that should scare you enough. So your front seven already have to key on the tailback. Then add Pro Wells at tight end and Tay Barber at wide receiver. And now all of a sudden I feel like you got something. Because if Max Duggan can actually operate in the way that he looked like he has he looked like he has the potential to operate, I mean you could run Texas mm-hmm. spread with him and have a lot of fun. Because I mean I'm not calling him Vince Young next to Cedric Benson. I am saying, however, that like you said, if the game is in the balance like it was against Baylor last year, and remember Baylor won eleven games and play in the Sugar Bowl, he's got a year of maturity there, and he's got a better tailback. Like, they just they upgraded in such a big way. To say nothing of whether or not they are able to get Marcel Brooks eligible to play on the defensive side. So, uh, I'm with you. Like, Texas Christian is the one to watch, I think. Um, okay.
0: and, and, and I would like to further that real quick by saying, number one, J.D. Spielman, again, is going right. to be eligible this year, right, right. which is crazy right. to me. And then they'll have Tavaila Hunt, who I absolutely love, And that defense, man, like... Quentin Johnson. We forgot about Quentin Johnson. Yeah, Quentin Johnson is another freshman wide receiver who can go absolutely bananas. They have, by the way, a really interesting young duo of running backs behind Zach Evans who kind of have the speed-power duo. But, I mean, like, then you look at the defense. If they get Brooks, like, Mark Jackson transfers from OU to TCU. I think he could do something. I'm a big Corey Bethley guy. Garrett Wallow is a linebacker who can carry that defense through the entirety of the season. And obviously, they have arguably the two best safeties in the Big 12. Like, I keep convincing myself, especially if Spielman and Brooks and Evans are all on this roster together, they could be top three, man. Like, they can be a serious issue.
1: So, the... Iowa State fans are staring at us and just mugging the hell out of us going, I'm sorry, did you see Brock, Brock yep. Purdy back there? That's that's He set a school record for passing in a season. Did you see Brees Hall back there? It's like one of the best freshman tailbacks from last year that nobody talked about. Did you know that John Haycock is still calling the defense? Okay. Did you know that we actually beat Texas, too, along with Texas Christian? Like, I can see Iowa State fans just getting into their feelings over this. And I'm, I'm here for it, right, because, again, I'm the guy saying – Maybe don't make dinosaurs, but we're in Jurassic Park now, so let's let's go with that. Did you have any other big twelve takeaways?
0: Uh, I think that's about it, man. i would I would add to that Iowa State take that I still if you made me pick a team in that like top four range, I would say that Iowa State gets the slight lean right now because at the end of the day, no matter how much talent TCU has or acquires in the transfer portal, I give them the advantage of Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. I love both of those guys. And Iowa State is easily a squad that can make serious noise and contend for the title this year.
1: Right on. All right, so I want to move to the USA Today coaches poll, which took a beating yesterday when the Pac 12 and the Big Ten decided that they were going to postpone their football seasons, canceling fall football, moving it to the spring, we think. But what that means for the only poll that we respect that's out, because the Associated Press poll is not, and the college football playoff poll is a dream right now, that means that these teams that are ranked or receive votes are no longer in it. So let me just run through these. Number two, Ohio State. Number seven, Penn State. Number nine, Oregon. Number 12, Wisconsin. Number 15, Michigan. Number 18, Minnesota, number 17, USC, number 20, Utah, and number 23, Iowa. Then, Boise State, Arizona State, Washington, Air Force, Wazoo, Cal, Nebraska, and Stanford all received votes. That's that decimates the top 25 rankings. So, with that said, I wanted to say, hey, let's let's talk about re-ranking them because we could easily do that thing where you know you just move people up into spots and you call it good. Which, you know, I'm sure somebody's gonna be gonna do, but it's more fun to argue over these things. So I'm going to invite you to discuss it with me. Now that we know that there's no Ohio State, who's the number two team in the country?
0: Uh, okay. This is this is tough because I keep going back and forth on this. I would tell you right now, behind Clemson, it would be Alabama because I, I love what they have offensively. I don't know how sold I am on Mac Jones yet, but I do like Bryce Young a lot. And obviously they have the talent on both sides of the ball to get the job done. That being said, I'm really, really tempted to tell you that Georgia could be the number two team in the country. I really am. And, and, and look, man, like, let me make my case. Georgia goes out and they get, Jamie Newman in the transfer portal, right? And I, I'm a Jamie Newman guy. I don't know how you feel about him, but I think he has a chance to be like a baby Cam Newton. Oh yeah, store brand Just Cam Newton.
1: Like, like that's what I've been calling the whole time. Uh, that's store brand Cam Newton. It's yeah, good. Yeah. It's good. Yes, it's so, good. So,
0: look, like, to get Jamie, and I know that Coach Munkin coming in, everyone's really excited about what he can do offensively, and obviously they're going to have a ton of young backs to work with him, guys like Zamir White, so on and so forth. But I mean. J. K. Daniels coming from USC and being granted eligibility, like that's a huge deal, man. And I have to, I have to believe that one of those two dudes is going to hit. And I have to also believe that if one of those two dudes hit, they give the Georgia Bulldogs a quarterback advantage over the Alabama Crimson Tide. I know everyone likes to pick Alabama because, you know, it's the easy pick or Florida right now because it's kind of the sexy pick. But Georgia's defense, okay, we don't even really touch on them that much. Georgia's defense could be the number one defense in the nation with ease next year. And now that the fact that they have pick with a viable quarterback option and they still have guys on that offensive line to get the job done, and of course they have guys everywhere in that running back stable that were four and five stars. I mean, like, I'm tempted to tell you, man, Georgia could be number two in the country. What do you think?
1: Am I off base here? I think so, but that's because of one two issues I have, right? George Pickens and what else? Who else is going to catch the football? Well, okay, we don't know. <laughs> we don't right, know right, right. Football. Whereas, whereas <laughs> with Alabama, who has been my pick to win the national championship, and now I feel so good about it because there's no Ohio State, you see Devontae Smith, you see Jalen Waddle. you see Najee Harris – You know what they have, and it's about Mac Jones basically operating at the controls a la A.J. McCarron. But guess who's behind him? The guy that was rated higher than J.T. Daniels and Jamie Newman and Carson Beck, Sprice Young, right? And then on that defense, what people missed about Alabama last year is they at one point had three, no, four true freshmen in the front seven. Four. Two at middle linebacker. Mm -hmm. And they get Dylan Moses back, and they get to the add a dude that you and I both absolutely love in Drew Sanders, who I think is going to be a day one player for them at outside linebacker. And then you get Patrick yes, Sertain sir. the second over there playing corner. Like, if if quarterback is what we're talking about, cool. I'll put Mac Jones up against those guys. I don't want to, but I will because I know that the guys that out there at skill positions is about can you distribute it. Matter of fact, and this is this is Nick Saban peak. In the college football playoff national championship game against Georgia, he sat Jalen Hurts down at half. Why? Because he said, we have these exciting and awesome skilled players out on the perimeter, and we got to get a guy that can distribute them the football. Not a guy that can go win us the game, a guy that can distribute the football to them. And I think that when you have those sorts of players on the offensive side and the defensive side, you give yourself an advantage there. It's one of the reasons why we didn't see so many black quarterbacks to start the century because you kept trying to put them out there at skill positions. We should probably put them back there at tailback or or not tailback quarterback and let them operate like a tailback, which is to say what, you know, Mac Brown did with Vince Young. You let your best player, you know, have the ball most of the time. Now, there's a there's mm-hmm. there's a part of me there's a real part of me that wants to believe you based on the defense and the defensive prowess of Georgia because i mean you you got dudes right i mean you and monty rice coming out of nowhere and then you get to add to that i mean you, my goodness darnell washington and we we continue to go on about those guys but i would i would let it slide because alabama's going to slide no further than 3 and that's how good that they are right so then we're talking about yeah. Who would basically fill in at this number seven spot uh, with Penn State? Would you just slot Florida there? Would would you move up a Notre Dame and Auburn? Where are you at with that?
0: I, I definitely go Florida here. Okay. I think I, I honestly like. I know I know the battle here is LSU. Some people like them really high. Some people like them a little lower. I, I would bet on Florida right now over LSU, and so I might even. Well, they get to play
1: each other now, so that's going to be awesome.
0: Yes, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that, and I will say that I, th- I don't think it was too long ago that Florida basically had to reschedule a game because of that hurricane, and everyone thought, thought like, oh, well, she was going to get the easy dub, and Florida went out and got it. And, like, Florida LSU games are always very heated. They're a lot of fun. Obviously, last year's game, Kyle Trask, that game down there in, in Baton Rouge... I mean, Trask had a good game. Kyle Pitts did some really nice things. So I, I'm i betting on Florida to be a really good squad this year. I know that, like, we talk about Alabama a lot. I also want to mention they have, like, four seniors and a guy at Evan Neal at offensive tackle who I don't know if you saw that video that's going around on, on social media, but Evan Neal is, like, doing split box jumps at 6'7", 360. Like, but, but for me, Alabama has those kind of dudes on the offensive line and that's why they won so many games. I think for the first time in a while, like Florida may have an offensive line that you feel pretty good about, like storm stone, Forsyth, Gene DeLance, Richard Goriage, Brett Heggie, Like they have experience now and they may be able to actually provide some time, which the Gators have really struggled on the line of scrimmage in the past. So for me, that's why when I look at teams like Georgia or Alabama and I compare them to an LSU or Florida, I think I give Florida the edge here because they have experience coming back in the offensive line, a quarterback that I like, and obviously the defensive talent is always going to be there. And if all those transfers come in that they got, people forget how hard the Gators hit the transfer portal this year. all those transfer portal guys come in and they fit in well, I really like Florida to not only sit there at seven, but maybe skyrocket up even higher.
1: I don't hate this because it means Oklahoma at six and Florida at seven, which is the game that probably should have happened last year anyway, based on how Florida played in the Orange Bowl and how Oklahoma played in the Peach Bowl. And I am with you as far as Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and what that defense might actually be. But I got to give this one to Auburn, man. I really love Owen Pepo. I think that. Kalen Newton has every opportunity to beat Bo Nix in camp and should. He's just a better quarterback. Kevin Steele's defense versus Todd Grantham's defense, I'll, I'll I'll take Kevin Steele. I'll take the guy that was winning in Alabama and is won at Auburn. I also think that Gus Malzahn's offense is going to get better because Chad Morris knows Malzahn and knows how to run it. He went to Malzahn to learn how to run that basketball on the grass. They know how to take advantage of those like three-route combinations that they like to run, and they're going to try some stuff and win some football games. They've also shown some moxie. right? The same game that LSU beat Florida in is the kind of game that Auburn should have lost to Alabama and didn't. Right, it did not squander two pick sixes of uh, Mac Jones in the Iron Bowl. I think that they have this to go, and every year we do this with Auburn, we we underestimate what they're going to be able to do. It's almost like we expect them to be, or we we expect Texas A and M to be what Auburn turns out to be, right? Which is why I would be just fine with Auburn at seven, but I think we would both agree that you would have them ranked ahead of a Notre Dame at number nine, though, right? Yeah, I would
0: bet on Auburn ahead of Notre Dame. Obviously, I think people will kind of look at Notre Dame and the the name brand and maybe the returning quarterback and kind of use that as a crush take. But I'm with you. I like what Auburn's going to be able to do. Now, I I would be interested to see your take. I do feel like Kevin Steele's defense is always really built on that defensive line and losing Marlon Davidson and Derrick Brown, that's a big deal, man, and so I feel like that's why for me I like Auburn a lot, like you. But then I would also give Florida the edge over Auburn for now because I know that they have some guys coming back, whereas Auburn really has to replace some workhorses in the defensive front that means so much to that system.
1: Well, you lose Jonathan Greenard and Z- uh, Zabar, uh excuse me, Jabari Zaniga on, on Florida's defense at the bookend position, so I, I think that's a wash. Correct, right? Uh, I also know that you know when I'm looking at who I expect to go get me a win in crunch time, I'm not looking at Florida right now. I'm looking at Auburn. I'm looking at Auburn to be there at the end because of what they did against Oregon because of what they did against Alabama because of how they outplayed an a and m team. I just I trust them in a way that I just don't trust Florida right now. I could it could change, but they're gonna have to beat an LSU that I think could catch five losses this year anyway okay so, Let's go to number 12. Wisconsin is out there. Are we looking at a and Texas, or Oklahoma State to jump?
0: I, I would pick Texas A&M right now. Okay. I feel like Texas A&M is a squad when you look. I don't know, man. Here's the thing. We could do, I feel like everyone in college football could do an entire podcast on their feelings in Kellen Mond, right? I mean, like yeah. a guy, he's guy, he's an enigmatic quarterback.
1: Who are when you, I'm, Kellen like, Mond? Who are you?
0: Do <laughs> we have no idea? if The guy has an identity crisis, and yet yet right. to have his identity stolen. Like it's just crazy to me that we always question this guy. But I I watch these games, right, and I see Kellen Mond hang in the pocket and make some of these tough throws, and I like his mental stability, and I really just feel like this dude is ready to take the next step. And maybe Texas could easily jump here because of some of those returners on defense, so on and so forth. But I also know, obviously. The losses offensively are a big deal. And so for me, when you look at Texas A&M, like I like what they have around Kellen Mon. And I also feel like when you really look at what they're going to do, I feel like they're going to allow him to be a little bit more loose this season because I feel like the trust factor continues to grow with Kellen Mon and the Aggie fan base slash coaching staff. So I, this one for me is a toss-up. There's, there's any number of right or wrong answers here. But if you're asking me to pick between Texas A&M, Texas, and Oklahoma State, for me it would be Texas A&M, and then I could go coin flip between OSU and UT.
1: Wow, that's interesting because I got Texas far and away ahead of A&M and Oklahoma State. It's the most talented team of the three. You have the best quarterback returning of any quarterback in the country, quite honestly, in Sam Ellinger. You have Jordan Mm. Whittington and Jake Smith at the slot. My goodness, you have Brennan Eagles and Malcolm Epps at the outside receiver spots. You got an experienced offensive line. Defensively, you're going to Chris Ash's match quarter set. and You get Caden Stearns back. If he's healthy, he's money. You get Joseph Asai at a much more natural, just defensive end, downhill. I'm going to kill everything that moves position rather than asking him to make reads in the middle. And then with Oklahoma State, I got them ahead of of Texas A&M because one, they play an easier schedule, and two, Chuba Hubbard. Tylen Wallace, they're back, man, yep. and that that Oklahoma State defense held teams to fewer points and fewer passing yards than both Texas and Oklahoma. Like I could see it for Oklahoma State finishing inside the top twelve, maybe even making a charge up the top ten, depending on how they play against a Texas or in Oklahoma or an Iowa State. So. I think we we differ there because I, I look at Texas A&M and I say, no, sh- show me you can beat somebody in the SEC West that matters first. Show me you can go get yeah. Alabama, Auburn, LSU, right? After that, what are we talking about? that That's how I feel about ampersand you. I just, it's a lot of smoke every year and no fire. It's a lot of smoke. Okay, so at number 15 and 18, we'll put those together. We got Michigan at 15, Minnesota at 18. Teams in between there are, again – Oklahoma State at 16, and then we're looking at North Carolina at 19, Central Florida at 21. I mean, because we don't have a Utah at 20. We don't have a Minnesota at 18. We don't have a USC at 17. So I feel like now we're going to get into teams that either we don't expect to be ranked in normal years or teams that are overlooked in the American, which has a great argument now for not just being a Power 5 but a Power 4 team. Yeah, this this is fascinating to me. Obviously, I would really
0: closely bunch up in kind of this area, Texas A&M and Texas and Oklahoma State. But I also feel like we have to talk about North Carolina has a chance to be really, really interesting this
1: year. Absolutely. I mean, they,
0: they have a cakewalk of a schedule this season and continuity at the quarterback position with Sam Howell. And Mac Brown has those juices flowing, so I'm I can't wait to see what happens with the Tar Heels this year. They could easily make a very strong run in the ACC and jump all of these other teams in the Big Twelve and, and work into like a top ten. Like I don't know, man. I'm just, I'd like to see your take on North Carolina, but. I can't wait to see what they can put together this year. Again, they have a chance to make something happen and shake and eventually climb way up in the rankings.
1: I have bought all the North Carolina stock I can, and I bought it after they lost by one point, a failed two-point conversion to Clemson last year with a true freshman quarterback and new coordinators in Phil Longo and Jay Bateman. And then you combine that with Jay Bateman was the defensive coordinator for Army, when they took Oklahoma into two overtimes at OU with Kyler Murray at quarterback, all right? That's one and two. Then you add to that what they were able to do in the 2020 recruiting class, right, in securing one of the top defensive linemen in the country. Now add to that they were able to reclassify the number one corner in the 2021 class so that he could play corner at UNC this year, Tony Grimes, who's going to play for probably the best North Carolina football player of all time, Dre Bly at corner. I know that there's some folks out there that believe Julius Peppers is getting a raw deal here. I'm going, no, just take a look at being like one of the only redshirt freshmen ever to be consensus All American, but that's neither here nor there. I could see North Carolina jumping to that 15 spot, and really, I got them ranked ahead of Texas AM. I think they're that good. I really do. And I got Oklahoma State just behind them on the on the. On the basis of schedule and on the basis of I trust Sam Howell three times as much as I trust Spencer Sanders. Okay, After what Sam Howell was able to do last year and what Spencer Sanders couldn't do, because you're talking about the difference between a guy that can go out there and get you a bucket, can go win you a football game in Sam Howell, and a guy in Spencer Sanders that you're still just trusting not to fumble it away or throw a pick to get you out of the game. So that's where I'm at with them. Now, where I think we're going to see lots of American teams start to pop up toward the end here when we start to talk about 20 to 25 because utah iowa they're out that means that vatek sensi central florida are already there and then when you get Tennessee, was basically the number 26 team in the country according to the coaches poll then you got to talk about kentucky you got to talk about memphis you got to talk about baylor louisville like louisville i think needs to get some love there appalachian state needs to get some love there like the belt is going to be heard this year. The belt's going to snap over some butts. I'm trying to tell you, like I was going through the coaches' voters, right? There's 65 of them, and basically half these guys don't have programs to coach in 2020. But I'm looking, the Chanticleers, Coastal Carolina might have a shot here coming out of the belt. We got Butch Davis's FIU might have a shot here. We got Willie Taggart's Florida Atlantic might have a shot here. I got video today of North Texas going through drills. Like, SMU was like, oh, yeah, you forgot about us? I feel like we're gonna be right there. Shane Bouchelle is like, "Hey, I'm still here. We still got dudes. We're still ready to do this." Like, I feel like we could end up with more American teams in the top twenty-five than any other conference, not named the SEC, but they would all be from about twelve to twenty-five. What do you think,
0: dude? Uh, this is where it's fascinating and. Maybe I'm doing this exercise a little bit wrong because I'm providing like my preseason rankings. Right. Of course, I'm thinking like some of these teams are going to jump like North Carolina or Texas or Oklahoma State. But I mean, like if I'm providing some preseason rankings right now, I'm with you on Louisville. They okay. definitely need to be shown a little bit more love right now, especially in the ACC. Uh, Miami, may be a little bit sneaky. Who knows what Eric King can do this year? But I'm with. I'm kind of. This is my take. SMU has a real chance to make some noise. Mm. Central Florida, man, Mackenzie Milton is coming back. I think, and
1: that was a dude. Dylan Gabriel's still amazing. there, though. Why? Why are we trying to get Dylan Gabriel up out of the paint? That's what I'm trying to figure out. What's wrong with Dylan Gabriel,
0: bro? <laughs> I mean, real though. I mean, for real. Like it's it's so wild what the Knights are able to do. Like we always just talk about them. We have no idea what's going to happen year in and year out. But I mean there's so many different squads. I like UCF. I like Louisville. Maybe Miami makes it some noise. SMU, like SMU, the offensive weapons that are coming back are for real. And then they have a ton of like juniors on the offensive line and they brought in a Juco guard that I think really completes that front to give Bouchel some time. SMU is going to be able to make some noise this year. Okay. and, and- Again, man, like Iowa State's up there in the top 25 in this original ranking, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. whole heart. But I'm going to go back to TCU, man. TCU has a real shot to get into these rankings because of the offensive firepower. And Jerry Kill, what does he do this year as the quote-unquote head coach of the offense? So those are some of the squads that I'm keeping an eye on in this range, and it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Because you lost some really fun squads here, but there are still a ton of candidates to replace them.
1: Okay, so bonus segment, uh, because I actually want to do get into this as just predictions, because predictions are fun. Tell me who your college football playoff foursome is today. Today, it would be Clemson at number
0: one, obviously. And then I would take Alabama at number two as the SEC champion. I would say Oklahoma at three. Obviously the big 12 title contender. And then I would put Georgia in at four. I don't, I don't know how they're going to weigh these games. Right. I really don't know how the American factors into these other sec, big 12, ACC schedules. But I mean, for me, like you have a real opportunity. If you're Georgia or like a North Carolina, Florida, if you slip up once, you may just be alright because you lost so many other variables in this race. I add to the fact you got the name brand and star power to sneak into that conversation, that would be my floor right now. Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Georgia probably in that order.
1: Man, I sincerely hope we don't overvalue the SEC in an odd year. Because that would be horrific to me. That said, yeah. the SEC champ gets in. Cool. Got that, right? Even with a loss that the champ gets in. The only way that a Big 12 champion gets in for me this year is if they run the table. I don't think you can suffer a loss, even in a regular season. I think that if a Memphis or a Southern Methodist or a Central Florida or Cincinnati ran the table in the American, that opens the door for shutting out the Big 12. Right, because you got an undefeated conference champ, you got a one-loss conference champ. Let's not pretend that we played similar schedules this year. Just take the team that didn't lose, and then talk about the ACC. Right, Clemson's—it's Clemson's league until otherwise. So today, I got Alabama, Clemson. It's hard for me to pick Oklahoma in in the college football playoff because that means I got to pick them to go undefeated, and they haven't been able to do that in you know. 20 years they haven't been able to get through october undefeated since like 2010 2008 somewhere in there so like i got a hard time picking oklahoma there but i can't pick smu either so yeah yeah that's that's what it is like like i gotta expect smu to run the table more than i expect oklahoma to run the table and i don't i don't so i guess i'm gonna go with oklahoma there and then I just don't want to see a fourth SEC team, right? I don't. I, I just don't want to see it. So to hell with it. Let's go with Central Florida. Let's just let's just decide. Wow. Let's go with that, right? Because I like the opportunity for Central Florida to not just win two national championships in four years, but have an opportunity to for one once and for all to stick it to everybody and say, remember you guys didn't want to give us our due when we ran the table and we beat the second best SEC team in the country like they stole something? and you still didn't want to hand us our trophy? Cool. Now we're in your little tournament. Now we're in your little semifinal. Now watch us run over Clemson, Alabama, and who would tell them that they didn't win a national championship that year? So yeah, give me, give me UCF playing a 12-game schedule, getting into the playoff, af- off a of conference championship, going 15-0 and in a year in which Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama don't get to even play 15 games. That is a Cinderella storybook finish for me.
0: That was awesome. <laughs> I didn't expect that at all. So I have to tip my cap to you. And if it, if it happens, I mean, I'll, I'll probably buy a dinner or something because I'm with you. I mean, seeing another SEC team, especially if it's like Alabama, Georgia again, it's just not that fun. Obviously, no. everyone out there loves it. But if we're ever going to see a group of five team in the college football playoff, now is the time, right? I mean, with all these other P5s gone, I feel like the College Playoff Committee really needs to say, okay, if we're going to take a chance, we really have to buckle our seatbelts and just go along with this ride and see where it ends up. I mean, if you're ever going to validate putting in a UCF or an SMU or any number of other squads over an Ohio State or what have you, you, you just have to pull the trigger in the now and then utilize this bullet point as further validation moving forward. Now, that being said, if I may, I'd like to utilize this as an easy transition to let you provide further analysis to one of your other takes. Okay. We went through that entire Big 12 schedule, right? right. But we never really touched on Oklahoma. And with you saying oh, OU does not get in, as opposed to like a UCF, I'd like to know. What do you see in this OU schedule that's now finalized? Where do you may possibly see the road bump, mm-hmm. and maybe what are the thoughts as an, as like an overall record? Did they win the Big Twelve title this year? Because obviously Missouri State in the bye week, but then KSU, ISU, mm-hmm. that OU Texas game, another bye, so on and so forth. It, it's Interesting to me, and I'd like to break it down with you starting to explain why you leave the Sooners out of the college football playoff game.
1: Because I have data to show that they can't make it through October undefeated. Whether it's Kansas State or Texas, it's bound to happen. Like, I'm done getting my hopes up that they're going to do that because once they get to November, one of the things they love to say is championship November, championship November. Yeah, because you got one loss and your back's against the wall. You can't afford to lose anymore. And they're able to pull it together in that way, even against a Texas Christian team that looked like it was going to get them or a Baylor team that had them down 28-3, to right? They found a way. But I look at Texas Christian, and I know that that game gives everybody the willies every single year. I can go back to, like, I think it's 2012, when Jason Verrett was putting the shackles on people, and we're talking about 20-17 to being, like, the game in Norman. So that Texas Christian, I'm afraid of. Texas, I'm afraid of. They're more talented than Oklahoma this year. I mean, that's, that's based on the 247 Sports Composite Talent Evaluation. They're just that much more talented. And while Spencer Rattler might be more talented, he's yet to show us, right? We got to see it. I mean, it's, it's past time. And then you don't have Theo Howard, we think. You don't have Jaden Hazelwood, we think. So it's going to be Weiss and it's going to be Rambo. And then you're going to have to hope that Austin Stogner continues where he left off last year. And then who the hell's the left tackle? Is it Eric Swenson? Is it Stacey Wilkins? Is it Bray Walker? We don't know. And now we're asking Leron Stokes and Jalen Redmond to carry the middle. Now, Jalen Redman and opting out still on the table. My man has blood clots. It's a real issue. You do not want to play with this virus. And then after DeLair and Turner-Yale goes down, you get exposed at strong safety. They have no depth there. We'll see if Justin Harrington can help. We'll see if Bryson Washington can help. There's just so much that I don't know and can't count on. So if you ask me which games, Iowa State, Texas, Christian, Texas, right? And then on the back end, get to November 11th, cross your fingers, you know, hope to die, all that stuff. Still got Chuba Hubbard you got to contend with. And that, And by the way, give Spencer Sanders the ball, put Tyler Wallace on the field, and then run back that 2019 Bedlam game. Do you still think it's as, as, as lopsided as it was? I don't. No way. Right. And now you've got Braylon Johnson emerging at Oklahoma State, right? You get Dylan Stoner back. You have Landon Wolf there. Everybody is closing the gap on Oklahoma because they've had no choice, right? They're tired of watching Lincoln Riley hold up his entire left hand, and it's got a ring on each finger. I can't tell you that the bottom is going to fall out because – you know, I've been expecting the bottom to fall out of Alabama for years, especially, like, in recruiting. And they go from being ranked 55th in April to, like, number two, literally, in August. So, like, I just don't have faith in them to do that, man. I mean, that's what it is. Like, I look at the schedule, and if you're really looking at a schedule X's to O's, the only real toss-up you have is Texas. But we know that just ain't the way that it's been. Oklahoma has done this great thing where it beats down the teams that it should beat down, and then every once in a while you get Kansas State. And tell me something, Colin. How the hell does Kansas State 2019 drop 48 on Oklahoma? What about, (laughs) yes, what about that squad says we should drop 48 points on Oklahoma? They they looked up at the scoreboard and said, we did that? Wow! And in a game where Oklahoma scored 41. You know, like, I, I need to know... What's it going to be? Because I just, I just don't trust them. If they get through October, come see me. Come see me. Because even in this shortened season, I, I still think there are four teams in there that could give them problems. And last year, I might have said the same thing. Kansas State wasn't one of them. Right? Like everybody circled, yeah. like, like everybody circled the Baylor game. Right? You know, it's like, okay, we got to pass Texas. Let's get to Baylor. And then you get the brakes beat, beat off you by a first-year head coach. Who's got somebody that he couldn't even land at North Dakota State playing quarterback? Think about that. Who had Skyler? Like who wanted that dude? I'm just I'm, oh, You 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 you, you asked me. You asked me and I had to go there. No, I, you delivered. <laughs> I mean,
0: that was the ultimate answer to my question. <laughs> and I would I would take it I would take it from this perspective cuz I agree with you to the point that there are some eyebrow raisers here. I think that more than any other years in years past, or any other year, or maybe in the future, if the Big 12 is going to decide to actually provide a little bit of parity when it comes to who's winning the conference year in and year out, now is the time. This is the opportunity for these other teams to get that jump on Oklahoma before Spencer Rattler gets his feet underneath him becomes probably the talent we all think he is, and then goes on a run before a one Caleb Williams takes over after being redshirted and probably does pretty well in his own right. Like now is the time. If you are Texas, Iowa state, TCU, Oklahoma state, for sure to make that move and jump to the top of the big 12. Now, that being said, I'm looking at Iowa state in week two of the conference schedule as a very big deal because if you'll remember correctly, that last trip to Ames was a little bit of a scare. It was a little little nerve wracking for the Sooners, but Marquise Brown went absolute bananas. And if I remember correctly as well, Parnell Motley, he had like two picks yeah. in that game. Uh,
1: and uh, they Hakeem.
0: were not facing they were not facing Brock Purdy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and then when Brock Purdy got him in Norman, it was another scare. Right, So I'm looking at Brock Purdy with the home field advantage now with another year under his belt saying, okay, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous about OU's chances. Then obviously TCU on the road. I don't have to dive into that one too much. But Texas, Iowa State, TCU, I like the fact that they get them all kind of in that bunch with the bye week because Oklahoma State at home is a big deal. You get West Virginia and Baylor to end it. And and outside of that, man, it's just kind of – a year where I really do believe that Oklahoma is going to be able to, to make a solid run. Now it's that it's that four-week stretch with Iowa State, Texas, and TCU, two being road games, one being the neutral, and obviously having the bye that will decide, in my opinion, Oklahoma's season as a whole and determine whether or not they're in the College Football Playoff.
1: I'm going to just. Piggyback on one thing you said with the Iowa State deal, which is that they had Hakeem Butler absolutely sunning people. And there has not been a, oh. there has not been a not close Iowa State game with Oklahoma in some time now. since going back to 2017 when they got the W in Norman, and you're right, Brock Purdy is a better quarterback than anybody that they've ever had. It's going to be interesting. Uh man, we'll have to get to Caleb Williams at another time. This has been great. This is Colin Kennedy. Follow him on Twitter. At C Kennedy247, that is C. Kennedy247 does excellent work over OUinsider.com. It's my colleague, staff writer there. He's staying up on who's getting offers, who's committing. Colin's Corner is an excellent post that our VIP subscribers get to read. Check him out. I have deleted my Twitter account. Colin, thanks so much, man.
0: Always fun, man. Let's do it again soon.
1: Right on.